Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. What must we do in order to obtain eternal life? This is, of course, a very important question. What really is the criteria? What are the requirements that are necessary that we must fulfill so that we might have eternal life? The Lord Jesus was asked this question towards the end of his ministry, and this story is often referred to as the conversation that took place between the Lord Jesus and the rich young ruler. But this was the question that he asked him. It's found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but for this program I'm just going to read from the Gospel of Matthew just to make this simple. Beginning in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 19, Verse 16, it says, Now behold, one came and said to him, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? Now, think about this question for just a moment. I mean, consider the fact that many people want to answer this question. How do we get saved? How do we know that we are saved? What is the criteria? What are the requirements? Here is a wonderful opportunity for people to look into the scriptures and see that the question was asked of the Lord Jesus directly, and then he proceeds to give an answer, and so perhaps we ought to study this. Maybe we should examine this to determine what is the criteria, what are the requirements for salvation. There are many people who will do this, and I believe it's appropriate to spend some time looking at these verses in order to address this question and to consider his answer. But there are a few things that I believe people are generally forgetting or simply are not aware of when they do study these verses in order to answer a question like that. And so I think it's very important for us to take some time to really study this and examine this and determine what is the conversation really about? What did the Lord Jesus say? What did the man believe? And how would the man hear what Jesus said? Because it's very easy, of course, for us to take the words of the Lord Jesus and just simply interpret them on the basis of what we believe or on the basis of what we understand. And I believe that there are some very important issues that need to be understood in order to really appreciate this conversation that takes place between the man and the Lord Jesus. For example, consider the conclusion that Jesus gives. If we were to continue to read through here, and I will read through this passage as I address this subject, but consider verse 26 in Matthew chapter 19, verse 26. The Lord Jesus does give him an answer in conclusion to this conversation that we really should pay attention to. In verse 26, but Jesus looked at them and said to them, with men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. You need to get in touch with this, that there is an impossibility. And this has to do with the subject of salvation. In verse 25, when his disciples heard it, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? And Jesus says, With men this is impossible, 
So the man, the rich man, comes to Jesus and he asks him this question of what is the criteria for salvation? What must he do so that he may have eternal life? And the Lord Jesus answers this question by saying, it's impossible. It's an impossibility. Now, I believe you must get in touch with this, because if you don't, you're not going to understand the statement that I'm going to make now, and that is that Jesus does not explain to him the criteria. He does not give the man the requirements for salvation. If salvation is going to be obtained, it's going to have to be obtained through other circumstances, through other conditions, through other issues than what the Lord Jesus presents. And that, I believe, is something that needs to be understood right away when considering this subject, because without understanding that, I believe it's very easy to get lost in the details and not understand that the Lord Jesus truly is explaining to this rich young ruler that he is not going to be able to obtain or have eternal life under the circumstances that he is in, which I believe gives him a clear explanation. Jesus explains the situation, explains the circumstances in a very simple and understandable way so that the man really has no alternative but to just simply walk away. So I'm going to be explaining what I mean by that in this program and probably the next one because there is a lot to be said about what is described here. So let's start with something very simple. Let's start with the fact that we need to understand what the gospel really is. We need to know what the criteria is truly for salvation. Now, if you've been listening to me for very long, you should know what I'm going to say. And if you have not, then you need to listen to the programs that I have produced on this subject. If you'll go to the radio archive at livinggodministries.net, you'll find a number of programs. Go to the second section of the archive. You'll find the program titled, The Gospel. In that program, I give a complete explanation of what I believe the gospel is. That is the foundation for everything that I teach and everything that I believe. And so I do have a program recorded in order to describe in detail what the gospel is, what the criteria is in order to be saved. There's also another series of programs on the subject of forgiveness where I address the subject of the gospel again in the first few programs of that series. And so listen to that series as well while you're there. But what I want you to understand is is that the gospel is very important. You must have a clear definition of that. I have found, by asking people, for many years, that it is very difficult to find a person who identifies themselves as a Christian who will give an answer to the question of what is the gospel. It actually is very difficult. I have found it to be very difficult. And I have asked this question of a lot of people in their churches for many years as a survey in order to be able to determine what people really believe concerning this subject. It's a very important subject because it really does establish a foundation from which you can have a conversation with other people so that there are no assumptions about what people really believe and why. Even though I disagree with a lot of people's explanations when they do give me an explanation, even though I disagree, at least I can have an understanding of what they do believe. And so I can have a reasonable, productive, profitable, and edifying conversation with someone. I believe it's very useful. 
Now, during the ministry of the Lord Jesus, you have to recognize that during this time in history, he had not yet died for the sins of the world. He had not yet risen from the dead. The new covenant had not yet gone into effect. The new covenant, as defined in the scriptures in many places, to include Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 to 34, he gives a description of the new covenant and explains that it will go into effect when he no longer remembers people's sins, which was accomplished through the crucifixion. It was at that time that the new covenant went into effect, which means that before that time, the old covenant was in effect. With regards to the subject of salvation, the Old Covenant did not really address the issue of eternal life as well as perhaps we would like. I mean, there certainly is a lot said. The Lord did have a lot to say in the Old Covenant about eternal life, and he did give some indications with regards to the criteria that he would use in order to determine who would have eternal life with him or who would have eternal life without him. But I don't want to get into that subject in this program. I'll just mention that I believe that there was an opportunity to be saved, even though the criteria is not as well-defined as perhaps we would like. I do believe that many people were saved during this time. But during this time, because of the covenant that was established with the nation of Israel, the Lord Jesus was teaching the Old Covenant. He was teaching the Old Covenant, he was teaching the law, because that was the covenant that was in effect between the living God and the children of Israel. So when you hear the Lord Jesus say things like, obey the law, live by the law, you should expect him to do that, because that was the covenant that was in effect. The Lord Jesus proceeds to give the man an answer to the question, I'll begin to read in Matthew chapter 19, verse 17, where it says, So he said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good, but one that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. And he said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said to him, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So, Of course he would say that, because that was the covenant that was in effect. In response to the question of how might you have eternal life, the Lord Jesus replies and says, Repent and obey. Repent and obey. Repent from your sins and obey the law, which is what you should expect him to say, considering the covenant that was in effect. Now, in the law, there is no law that says, If you will do everything that Jesus has said, then you will have eternal life. There is nothing in the law that says that you will have eternal life if you fulfill the requirements of the law. The Lord Jesus explains this, and I believe that this is a reasonable description of how you probably could obtain eternal life. I believe that Jesus was definitely telling the truth with regards to this, but he follows it up and he says, with men this is impossible. He tells the man to go do this, And then he tells his disciples that it's just simply not going to happen. It's not going to happen this way. Now, in the programs that I produced on the gospel, I explained in detail that a person needs forgiveness for their sins. That the gospel, the good news, is that the Lord will forgive all of our sins. 
He will forgive all of our sins to the extent where we will not be held accountable for our failure to live in obedience to the commandments. Even if we do miraculously find some way to live in obedience to some of the commandments, that still isn't going to matter. What will matter is that the Lord Jesus provided for forgiveness, and so regardless of what we did or did not do, we are forgiven. Now, I also explained in the programs on the gospel that the reason why he had to forgive the sins of humanity is so that he can restore the Holy Spirit that had been lost in Adam. Again, it was so that he might restore the Holy Spirit that was lost through Adam and Eve when they were in the garden, in the Garden of Eden. When they lost the Holy Spirit because of their disobedience, they then entered into a new condition called spiritual death. Spiritual death in the sense that they no longer had the life of God. Death is the absence of life. And everyone who has been born into this world since Adam and Eve were created, everyone who has been born into this world has been born into this world in this condition of being spiritually dead. He has provided us with forgiveness so that if we are willing to receive the Holy Spirit as a free gift, he will provide the Holy Spirit to us so that we might be raised from the dead, we might be resurrected through the indwelling presence of his life within us, and that becomes our salvation from the condition of our sin, from the condition of our spiritual death. We are then made into a new creation in Christ Jesus, a new creation, a living being who now can have a place in the kingdom of heaven among the living, among the living spiritually speaking, in terms of the life of God. So the gospel has to do with the problem and the solution. The problem is sin and death. The solution is forgiveness and the restoration of life. Salvation is forgiveness and the restoration of life. And so if this is the gospel, then when the man asks Jesus, what must I do so that I might have eternal life, why doesn't the Lord explain that to him, right? I mean, why doesn't he just tell him? Because these are the days of the Old Covenant when the people do not really believe, at least the religious people don't, they don't really believe that they have a need for forgiveness. You must recognize your need for forgiveness and mercy Otherwise, you will not meet the criteria that is necessary in order to receive his forgiveness and mercy and the life that he is providing as a result of that. So the man must see that he has a need for forgiveness. He must see that he has no hope. He must see that his ability to obtain salvation or eternal life is impossible. Only then will he be ready to receive the truth that he has no hope outside of the mercy of God. And with God, all things are possible. So this is the situation. This is the circumstance with regards to this conversation, that the Lord Jesus is explaining to the people that they have a need for forgiveness, and if they won't acknowledge that, it is impossible for them to be saved. You might wonder, you know, is there a contradiction in the scriptures? Is there a contradiction in the sense that the Lord Jesus teaches obedience to the law, obedience to the commandments, and yet 
when we go past the Gospels, we go past the book of Acts even in many cases, we go into the writings of the Apostle Paul, for example, where he explains what the Gospel is, and we see that there are differences. Does that mean that there is a contradiction? Well, absolutely not. There is no contradiction when you understand that the Lord Jesus was teaching under the Old Covenant. You should expect him to give the criteria that he gave because this was what was necessary in order to enter into a situation that would clearly reveal to you that you have no hope outside of the commandments, outside of the law, that there must be an alternative. There must be something completely different. There must be something else in order to be saved, in order to obtain eternal life. Unfortunately, there are many people who do not want to see it that way. I say unfortunate because I really believe it is unfortunate. Instead, what people will do is they will look at this passage in the scriptures and they will try to find a way to make the impossible possible. Again, people will try to find a way to make the impossible possible. This is probably the most common way, I'll tell you what, the most common way people will try to make the impossible possible. The most common way is to say that grace, mercy, and forgiveness is available to make up the difference for when you fall short in your obedience. Again, Grace, mercy, and forgiveness is what God offers for when you fall short in your repentance and obedience. This is a way of trying to make the impossible possible. They will say, okay, listen, you just do the best you can. You try as hard as possible to live a life that you cannot live. Don't worry, as long as you are sincere, as long as you are committed as long as you are repentant in some things at least, God will make up the difference. This is how most people will try to take the impossible and make it possible so they don't have to give up on what Jesus said. They can still find a way to apply it to their lives. Now listen, I believe we should apply this to our lives, but not by depreciating the seriousness of sin not by depreciating the integrity of the Old Covenant, not by depreciating what Jesus said when he said that this is impossible, because it is impossible under these conditions, not by depreciating or devaluing the nature of forgiveness and the nature of grace by saying that you don't need all of it for yourself, in the sense that you don't need to be completely forgiven, you just need to be partially forgiven. You don't need complete grace and mercy for your entire existence. You just need partial grace and mercy. You know, the Lord will just give you what you need because you can't do it all. He'll just make up the difference. I just believe that this really depreciates the seriousness of the situation that we are in, that the man was in, that the world has been in, and that the world remains in outside of the mercy of God. So what I want you to consider is that there is another way, that we do not have to find some way to depreciate the seriousness of what the Lord Jesus says. And the way that I believe that this is accomplished is simply by understanding the purpose for the Old Covenant, the purpose for the New, 
understanding the differences between the two, and embracing those differences. Now, I did do a program titled Everlasting Covenant that I produced in order to give, I believe, a clear explanation concerning what I've just described, and so I'm not going to try to do that in these programs. The program titled Everlasting Covenant. You can find it in the radio archive and listen to it for free. That program was produced for this purpose. Instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to proceed and I'm going to talk about another way, another approach that people will take, another way that people will depreciate the seriousness of the matter, the seriousness of the situation, and try to make the impossible possible. The next way that people try to accomplish this is by saying that Jesus wasn't really talking about salvation. He wasn't really talking about eternal life. I mean, that certainly was the subject that the man brought up with him, but Jesus kind of took that and said, you know, let's talk about something else. He talked about finances. He talked about the riches that the man had. He spoke about the corrupting power of those riches. And so this is how people will address this. They will say, well, he's not really going to talk about eternal life here. Not everyone does this, of course. I'm just saying that there are many people who do. For those who do, they are taking the conversation and they are turning it into something else. Whereas the Lord is not really talking about eternal life anymore. Instead, he's just going to talk about the corrupting power of riches. And so don't worry. We don't need to look at this in order to get our guidance or in order to identify the requirements or the criteria to be saved. We don't need to do that here because that's not really what he's talking about. Now listen, I believe that that is what he's really talking about. I really do. I believe that he says that it is impossible under the circumstances and under the conditions of the Old Covenant that a New Covenant would need to be established and that he spoke about that later. Now I also believe that he does speak about the corrupting power of riches indirectly. So I'm not saying that he's not, all right, because... He is. He does mention these things. And and I believe we should take some time to look at this, but not for the purpose of trying to make the impossible possible. Not for that purpose. I believe that once we attempt to do that, then we are outside of the boundaries of what the Lord Jesus is speaking about. So while I do believe there is a lot to be said about the corrupting power of riches I do not believe that that was really the Lord Jesus' intent. I do believe that his intent was to stay focused on the subject of eternal life and to explain to this man that he is in an impossible situation that would require the mercy and forgiveness of God, otherwise there would be no hope for eternal life in any way whatsoever otherwise. So I will say that This topic is here. I just want to say before I explain this, that this topic is consequential. It's it's just simply a consequence of the primary discussion. It is something that is there that needs to be looked at, that needs to be understood. I really do believe that. But if you want to know about eternal life and salvation, it's not going to be achieved through studying this outside of the fact that you have to know that you have a need for forgiveness, otherwise it is impossible. And I don't mean forgiveness for just some of your life, part of your life, you know, that part that is dark and evil. 
I believe that you need forgiveness completely for every aspect of your entire being. So in the next program, I will take some time in order to address this subject of the corrupting power of riches. And then towards the end of the program, or probably the program following, I will return to the core subject, the core issue that I believe is described here. Just to be complete with regards to the verses that are here, I will spend some time talking about the corrupting power of riches. But in addition to that, there is the theme of the camel and the needle. He spoke about how difficult it was for a rich man to enter in to the kingdom of heaven, that it would be easier for a camel to pass through the eye of the needle. And I will, of course, spend some time talking about that. But there is more. There are many ways that people can live. There are many ways that people can relate to their God that will put them in a similar scenario, place them in a similar situation so that they will be like a camel trying to go through a needle. Consider what the Lord told the man when it came to living in obedience to the law. He explained that this is the way of life, or this is the way to life. He explained that because that was the covenant that was in effect. But there are people today who continually try to live a life of repentance and obedience, believing that their salvation or their eternal life will be achieved or partially achieved through their way of life, through their religion, through their system of bondage based on trying to restrain their flesh, which of course can be noble to a degree, especially when you compare it with living a life of indulging the flesh. I can understand that. But when a person tries to live a life that they cannot, they are being like a camel trying to get through the eye of a needle. It is therefore more difficult, more difficult for a religious man, not a rich man necessarily, it's more difficult for a religious man to be saved because they still are going to try to depend in some way on what they do or what they don't do in their way of life. And I'll explain this in the next program. You've been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Thank you,